Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Chris, we got someone that requested something. I won't say who it is, but there's this this thing called hashtags, which I'm not all that used to. I'm getting better with this social media <laughs> lark, but hashtags, hashtag offend, no, defend occult book. I'm thinking offend occult books, particularly offend Llewellyn books, <laughs> but it's defend occult books. What the hell's going on with all this? Can you fill us in on this? Okay, well it's it's one of these one of these hashtag trends things with Instagram, um, and this one's particular. This one in particular, I believe, was started by that um, Diap Darling, that. Um, Thelemite YouTuber um, who does a lot of talking about occult occult reading more than anything I think is a lot of what her content is about um, but she's um, through Pathios I think um, and an Instagram she's you know been posting about um, defend cult occult books and trying to get people to kind of follow on and, and do the same and get it trending um so i think the i think the core idea is supposed to be um that obviously what they call themselves now generation z or whatever it is um are these new are these new witches that don't i have... don't think they call themselves i think they do they don't call themselves that that's just an economic term it's generation oh, okay. z we're we're millennials chris we are yeah. officially millennials oh okay so yeah, so it's kind of it's one of these things where you've got a whole a whole generation of witches that are out there currently, and they learn most of what they know about or supposedly know about witchcraft and the occult from memes, um, and other other internet, you know, um, sound bites. And then take them as gospel, not understanding their origins or where they come from. And then they start silly fights uh, on the internet, as you, as I'm often subject to, because I say something about gypsies. Um, and then obviously they get all the knickers in the twist because cultural appropriation and slurs and um, this, uh, you know, focusing on this idea that, um, you know, there are too many white occult books out there and they're too problematic and we shouldn't talk about them. So what she's trying to say is obviously that no, the conversation should be had, people should be well read and they should be able to, you know, defend why they read a particular um, a particular occultist and obviously say that, obviously, you know, um, why it's problematic, understand why it's problematic, but then still take what is necessary i think the, the crux of it and probably why we've been asked to um discuss <laughs> um is probably mostly because it's about um this culture of pushing people to read and educate themselves and that that's so that's okay that they don't have a tradition and that they've learned everything they they know from from books um and the internet because it's a resource there to be used. Um, I think she's trying to push for the fact that actually all the good 
occult books uh, writers out there um, aren't big enough on the on the circuit for you to get hold of and they're expensive and things like that um, is it essentially this I, I don't know I don't I don't see why it's even a movement myself learn whatever the hell you like as we often say there's no problem you learning lots of things from books as long as you match those hours and exceed those hours with practical work so if all you do is read and you don't actually perform any any craft of any kind then that's where the problem lies is where you're not actually practicing is about the only thing we would ever comment on right from my understanding of it you've got generations currently that pretty much spend most of their time using technology to communicate so whether we're sitting at the dining table and texting each other or uh, um i don't know what's the little thing with the ghost snapchat snapchat yeah whether it's a snapchat in each other and that then most people from that generation communicate via online and quite quickly now back in the day people used to you know back in back in the day when we're talking like last century people used to meet in pubs and it moots and that and try and share knowledge and then they trade books and the like that sort of thing there isn't really much of a need for that now because the authors you can actually have conversations with them even if they're on the other side of the world there are documentaries and videos and experts putting information out in various different forms it's not just publishing books and that even uh, academic papers are available online but what we have is we have people judging other people's way of learning so what you've got is you've got the people that we tend to judge, which are the older people who go and meet in moots and that, and we say, well, that's very good meeting in your moots and that, but you still ain't doing no fucking magic. Then we've got the next generation that are very well read and collect lots of books published in the 90s, to which we judge and say, well, that's all very good, you're well read and you've got a lot of books, but you still ain't doing no fucking magic. And then you've got the next generation, which are making TikTok, which talks memes and posts which you say that's all very well and good but you ain't doing no fucking magic <laughs> so from my perspective if i am a completely honest i think that if you are learning from a book back in the 20th century then you're just as bad as these people nowadays. Because the only thing I see, honestly, the only difference I see is that the generations now, they'll get a, what is it? How long does a TikTok last? Is it a minute yeah, or a minute. Is it three minutes or something? Less than a minute. A minute. They'll get a load of information that they get, read. they, they basically watch in a TikTok video for a minute and memorise it like correspondences and stuff. Well, the only real difference is that back then, that would have just been dragged out for an entire book. You know, the information isn't necessarily any better or worse. Because there are people that are trying to put content out there. But when you've got a minute in which to do it, you just give little snippets and stuff like that. And 
let's be fair, if you sat there all day like many people do on TikTok, you probably would absorb a lot of information that might be useful in digestible size. So I personally don't have a problem with the TikTok stuff. I don't have a problem with YouTube. I don't have a problem with old traditional books. I don't have a problem with meeting up and experiment and all that sort of thing. What I have a problem with is not pushing oneself further. That's what I have a problem with. And claiming to be on a magical path where you push yourself further. Because as I think we know, most people that are on a magical path don't do no fucking magic. And on the rare occasion they do magic, is somewhat super basic. Would you agree with that? Or would you not agree? Oh yeah, you've got you've got people that learn a certain set of basics um, and they're trying to they're trying to search out something more authentic. I think one of the things she did say in a in a pathos thing um, was about this kind of move away from Wicca to a different kind of packaged Wicca. Obviously, she didn't say that. I've added that last bit, but essentially, is the case of actually people don't understand what the essence of Wicca is. And how that has just transferred over to a lot of the, uh, you know, PKTW work. But the, um, the, you know, the problem is they've got a few very basic techniques, you know, i.e. candle magic, um, poppets, and the, and the occasional bit of um, <laughs> intention work, energy work, um, and they hold on to these really basic forms and then never progress any further. So, you know, they get into a habit as they learn one trick that has worked once for them and they just repeat. So, you know, they made this petition to such and such a goddess just this once. Um, they've then repeated and repeated and repeated that same that same spell without actually ever going, OK, well, how does this spell work? what can I do to change the way that I'm using this spell? How could I adapt this spell to a different kind of working by understanding how the energy is manipulated? I think that's where it starts to get at me. Right, because here's the, I think, the crux of it. And I think that after reflecting on this, you tend to see it in every century so I don't know if it's just a human thing this isn't just a modern thing and that is that the drive to push yourself further and your magical knowledge further needs to come from you I know we're hard on people and say well you're not putting a lot of content out there or information out there that's at an advanced level or giving people something to aim for and sometimes I think maybe we're wrong at that because of course we shouldn't be the ones that are giving someone and something to aim for. They should be wanting it. Because yeah. there's the difference between world records, right? With a world record, you know that someone's managed to accomplish that and that you have to try and beat that. But you have to be the person that sets the original world record, right? Because if you're always trying to outdo someone else or push further than someone else then that's fine but we have to remember that in magic there's not a huge amount of 
information out there or people out there that are really pushing it. So there isn't really much Olympics when it comes to magic. Most of the magical practice is pretty basic publicly and a lot of it privately as well. So you need to get into that bit of thinking, well, no, I want to push the, the, the boundaries of what's actually possible. And you're competing against yourself, remember. So when you compete against yourself, you've always got an opponent. Whereas what happens when you compete against other people is when you become the best, you've now not got anyone to compete against necessarily. So then you kind of stagnate, I think, and that's the danger. But in terms of like keeping it super simple, it might be not a particularly great podcast, to be honest with you, because if we leave it at trying to answer the questions of where we lie, I don't care about the method of teaching necessarily. I think the most superior method is traditional apprenticeship where you follow a magical practitioner and then you work with them and they teach you what they know physically by doing stuff. But there are other methods of teaching I just don't think they're as good. But it's about how you're going to utilise them and what knowledge you can put out that's going to help people. I think there are lots of books that line the shelves of many and many people that are worse than probably some TikTok videos out there that are um, a minute long. Definitely. I think there probably is someone out there doing TikTok videos that are a minute long that give you more magic or knowledge and knowledge in general and wisdom than an entire shelf full of books in some of these households. Yeah. Yeah, I think I. Kn- I wouldn't be able to name a channel, but <laughs> no. I don't really go on TikTok. No, but I think I think um I think I will add the caveat of kind of saying the apprentice method doesn't need to be you and another human. Um, you know, the apprentice method does extend to having a relationship with spirit that will teach and push you further, providing you pick the right one, um, and have the right relationship with them. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be, you know, one human teaching another. Um, the only reason I add that caveat is because, um, you know, lots of people say, well, how am I supposed to find these people if they're not on the Internet? So, you know, it's it's one of those. It's one of those things where, you know, a spirit might not necessarily do the teaching, but they might push you to somebody that will. Um, I know we receive a fair few um, that come on recommendations from various different spirits so there's you know there is always that opportunity there i think the other part people forget is just because you want to learn from somebody doesn't mean they necessarily want to teach you um you know not all hardcore magical practitioners want to mentor mentor people or have any kind of tradition you know, at the end of the day, we, both of us, object, you know, reject the idea of having any kind of tradition um, to the point that we have to regularly check ourselves, don't we, Liam, that we are not kind of accidentally creating one um, with the mentees that we have, yeah. where we kind of go in, okay, um, you're starting to sound a little bit too like me now, go and do something different. Um and you have to set a new challenge in order to set them off in a, a new direction of pushing themselves a bit harder. Um, but yeah, I'd probably just gone off on a tangent again, Lee. I'm sorry. 
Um, but yeah, I just there's there's a lot of writing out there. I don't think reading umpteen books from the same necessarily the same author will get you there. It's it's a case of having read a bit of everything, even if it's just to say I don't like this. Um, or this doesn't resonate with me. Like, it's like, as soon as you get to a certain level, it's like reading cookbooks. As soon as you're a certain, you know, a certain level of chef, you kind of go, or you just read other people's work for an idea, um, see what other people are doing, then go, oh, okay, I don't like that. And sometimes hating something is the perfect bit of, uh, of drive you need to push yourself over the next hurdle of kind of going, well, that's shit. I know I can do better than that. Um, you know, so I don't think we've ever, you know, suggested that you shouldn't read a cold books. We've always just said, as long as you're practising, that's what matters to us. Um, well, I've always said if you've read an occult book that is on magic, then you should spend more time afterwards practising than it took for you to read that book. So if it took you seven hours to read that book, you should be spending at least eight hours practising magic, even if it's not the magic that's in the book. I'm not suggesting if you pick up a shit book that you think's crap that you then go and do all <laughs> that stuff for eight hours. I'm not suggesting that. But it should be more work being done than reading about it so there's two things i want to pick up on okay one we'll go into i think on the patreon maybe because i know we're kind of running out of time on the regular edition of the podcast and that's this idea of there being kind of an anti-intellectual streak with all this yeah where it says about well you should be using your intuition and actually doing stuff instead of reading about it and the intellectualism and thinking and all that sort of thing is is nowhere near as good as actually practicing which a lot of people would say that we'd be classed as um but the other point i want to make which ties into that is that even now i can see on the camera that you have a bookcase full of books and they're double stacked aren't they so there's books in front of books some a bit further than that Right, uh, maybe even triple, triple stack, yeah. or quadruple stack, because I see books yeah. in front of books, with books stacked on top of those, and then there's some behind those as well. Yeah. Now, looking at your books, why did you buy them? What's going through your mind? Well, one, I need to, you need to clarify there, though none of those behind me are occult books. Um, they're on. Yeah, they are. They're on other subjects. The element encyclopedia witchcrafts there. Somewhere, yeah, I use it for bibliomancy. Well, there we go. They are there then. There are occult books. I'm sure you've got at least one shelf of occult books. Probably, at a push. The majority of the books behind me are on every subject you can imagine that interests me. So, but the reasons those right. those books are there are are in order to see what other competition is doing. So, you know, I have a ridiculous amount of books on ancient textiles because in the last kind of 10, 15 years, they've been published for the first time ever. And I've got to stay up on the on what the competition are achieving is the main reason that I have all those. Um, and seeing what the latest, the, the latest uh, trends are, shall we say, in textile archaeology. But, you know, I constantly buy books. 
But is that are those are those books um kind of like you know those books that come out with catalogues so you get like um I've seen you have those before with all of like whatever the fashion house comes out with. That's like printed in pictures and stuff I'm struggling here. I'm really trying, but I'm struggling. Printed <laughs> to say that this is currently the standard. Kind of like your encyclopedia might come out every now and then, or used to come out every now and then with the new standard of things. Are those ones that go out of date, and are they for the everyday people, or are they kind of like our? When I was an electrician, we had the wiring regulations book that gets replaced every couple of years with new information that is the current standard. How does that work? Not quite, but yeah, I get what you're trying to say. Um, so yeah, so those are academic books. So because they're academic, there is a kind of um, statute of limitation on some of them that there is better research out. So they become. But it's one of those things that you never really get rid of them um, because they show where it came from and where the idea came from. And they're good to refer back to when you're uh, ripping apart their, argu their arguments. But I think what does what does ring true is to a certain extent the same I guess occurs with occult books which is that you know instead of there being the latest encyclopedia of uh, you know the latest Agrippa book what you've got instead is a set of commentaries on what people are thinking about that particular type of work now. The problem is there's too many copies of the same thing where essentially they're all they're all talking about the same practice, but there's you know a thousand different versions of what somebody wants to say about it, rather than putting out somewhere something new, um, and don't seem to actually like a good academic would, actually put a lit review at the beginning of it and say well actually these these books are all saying the same thing as me, um, you know. But I think part of that is down to the fact that there is no standard in witchcraft. And I think that's what often is the problem. You know, we talk about our kind of, you know, beginner, um, foundational, intermediate, advanced. But at the end of the day, there is no standard for it. Our standard is completely different to anybody else you've ever met. And like we've often said, a lot of the things that we people think of as intermediate or advanced magic to us wouldn't even leave foundation um but the reason for that is not about the amount of books we've read um it's the access to the types of magics that we work with on a regular basis or how we would achieve something compared to how somebody else would um and you know and obviously we've taken a ridiculous amount of time out of our lives already in the last couple of years to kind of share some of that with some other people in an attempt to kind of push the standard up somewhat um, and I know that was all very elitist how do you think we're doing with that <laughs> I think we're doing okay I think at the fact is it an upward trend it's an upward trend and I think uh, you know okay. and they'll know who they'll know who they are there's a few of them out there that are now already starting the first wave of them starting to take mentees of their own on um which i think is only positive 
I don't think there's any way to see that as a negative, that there is, you know, they're getting to the level of confidence where they're starting to teach. Um, I think it was a conversation we had with Anyanka at some point, wasn't it, that we said about actually not until you start teaching do you realise the flaws in some of your methods. Um, the fact that actually by explaining something to yeah. somebody else, you suddenly have to, you know, <laughs> balls to the wall, kind of commit to a definition of something that you otherwise have floating about in the back of your head um but that suddenly have to say with with confidence that x equals y you know like it's it's all it's interesting to see it starting to happen with some of the people that we've had the pleasure to mentee mentor for the last the last year or so so on the other books on your shelf then obviously you've done a lot of courses and qualifications and stuff and there'll be a reading list so it makes sense that you would buy books that you're told you have to buy books to complete the courses you're on you're not really one for novels are you no not really not so much and then if you was to get a novel would that be a book that you'd keep or is it the sort of thing that you then give to someone else or donate to charity yeah as soon as I finish reading it, I'd probably yeah, pass so it on. Yeah, so it's not like the sort that you keep. So you'd either, if you add novels on your shelf, it would be one you're currently reading or one that you intend to read yeah. at some point soon. Yeah. So in terms of what else is on your shelves then, what else is there? Because it's not just textiles and archaeology and that, is it? Or is it? Predominantly these days. Yeah, there's like fashion and, and other things going on there more history, a lot of ancient literature, um, you know, various versions in various... I've got quite a collection of herbals this last year or so. Um, yeah. But those I... But why have you got the herbals? Well, those, I think, again, are just kind of f trying to figure out what the standard is, I guess, of what makes, what makes a good herbal and what sort of information's out there compared to what you know if that makes sense and kind of going okay well i wouldn't have yeah. used that for that but never mind obviously we're talking about medicine here rather than witchcraft but you know um again it's it's kind of researching the standard i guess is the best that i can possibly describe the question is how long they will live on these shelves or if they'll get um given away the same way in which that the novels do um, I can't imagine the textile stuff I'll ever get rid of because they're too um, they're too important to the standard for me, I guess. Whereas, yeah, the herbals will probably be handed over to somebody, I imagine, at some point. Here, read this one, just to point out how shit it is or something. Interesting. So comparing that to my shelves then, so pretty much all the books i've got some herbal medicine books i've got quite a few herbal medicine books because i'm writing a book on herbal medicine with lady poison so that makes sense because that's currently for research whether i'll keep them afterwards i'm not entirely sure some i might some i might not but all of the others are pretty much occult books that i find i have to keep going back to time and time again because people ask questions about 
So in no point will there be any books on any of my shelves that I don't get out every now and then because someone's added a question about it. So they're the meaty ones. On that shelf over there, there's Agrippa's Free Books of Occult Philosophy, the Arabatel, the Witch's Bible Complete, and a book about West Country uh, witches. Because those ones, they're all on the shelf. And they're all on there because people have asked questions about them recently. And I've been like, I know it's in that book. I need to go and have a little quick look. Because it's things that I don't convert to memory. Because I don't necessarily think it's any good. Mm. So I find that a lot of the books I keep are based on the ones that keep coming up time and time again. Yeah. The people ask questions Well, you need about. to refer back. And I don't really buy... Yeah, I don't really tend to buy books for the knowledge because I hate reading and it takes up so much time. The only exception has been the herbal medicine stuff. So, if you want to know the last two books I bought, this one, Adaptogens in Herbalism. It's quite a big book. It's A4 size and it's 637 pages long. And then we've got The Science and Practice of Herbal Medicine, which is another big book, A4 size. And that is 653 pages long. And all of those are science-based books, some of which I understand, a lot of which I don't. <laughs> so as soon as I understand the gist of it, at normally that point I'd get rid of it. But I'm finding that because I'm having to do this academic stuff like you do, which is reference shit, mm -hmm. and say where I got that information from, I'm having to keep all these books because I have to go back and find page numbers and all who said what. But anyway, we're out of time for this week's edition of the podcast. So goodbye for now. And now we're on the Patreon, right, we've got to talk about this thing, this anti-intellectualism, anti because I think it's very much up our street. Because there's this idea that within, and I'm not sure when this has come about, because back in the day, thousands of years ago, a lot of the magical practitioners that were pushing the boundaries of magic were the intellectuals of the time, because the science and the magic and that was combined. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, there's a lot of what you'd call theoretical magicians or armchair magicians which fantasise about the theory of it but don't ever do anything. And then there is a slight backlash with, I think, some people like us who say, look, get off your asses and go and fucking do something. I don't care what you keep going on about. And if I say, how do you do this? And you respond with, well, so-and-so says this. In this book, it says this. Yeah. Then that is the incorrect answer because you don't know because you haven't done it or have yeah. done anything similar to that to even form the basis of an understanding of how it might happen. Yeah. I understand that we might come across as anti-intellectual, but I think what we are are anti Hoarding of intellectualism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you ha if you are an intellectual, you should put your intellect to use. Yeah. If you're not putting it to use, there's no point in being an intellectual. Yeah, it's Does like... Does that sound intellectual? 
Or no, does that I... sound dumb? I don't know. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, for me, to put it into, uh, I suppose, into a way that would un- would make sense, is I don't understand some an, an academic who writes constantly about weapons but doesn't have any experience of firing any. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so the, I do find that really So weird. the idea that you have an intellectual understanding, but you have never wanted to go into a firing range and actually find out how these fire. It's the same for textiles. I don't understand why an academic would ever be, um, you know, writing as the, <laughs> the world-renowned person on carpets and actually has never tried to make one or gone to a factory that makes them and, ha- and you know, and actually understood how the process works so you know for me i think it comes down to that doesn't it that we expect you to have a practical understanding of what you are talking about so there is nothing more irritating for for me personally i don't know if i can speak for you too but when you come and sit down with somebody who wants to solve a problem magically speaking and then reels off a list of other people's works. So, oh, well, uh, you know, I, I've, re- I've read that we can do this and I've read that we can do that. And you're kind of like, okay, but what are you wanting to do? Um, because it's a quite nice that you have read and understand, apparently, um, how these things work. I don't think a true understanding comes until you've attempted to manipulate that yourself actually attempted to do it um and even like you know i'm not saying you need to have gone and burnt your fingers before you come and speak to us what i'm saying is that you should have kind of gone okay i know how i'm going to do this they're not it shouldn't be oh okay well i've read you can do this kind of exorcism and then okay okay well what does your plan look like and they go oh well this book uses no what are you going to do I want to know where the positions of your candles are going. I want to know who your assistance is. I want to know how you're going to get out of it if you fucked up any of the other parts of this process. So, you know, it's actually a case of going, OK, well, how are you going to achieve it? Not not this is what this book said about doing it. I want to know that you understand how it works and you don't need to necessarily have done it. For that understanding to be there, you needed to have planned that particular working, because by looking at your planning, I will be able to go, you know, we would be able to go, okay, that's not going to work for these reasons. Have you considered this permutation? You know, and that's and that's the bit that that starts to irritate me. And they kind of go where actually what they're really wanting you to do is tell them how to do it. I don't want to tell you how to do it. I want you to figure it out for yourself. I'm all good for giving you pointers into which direction to go to. And I'm more than happy to sit and tell you, you know, what you did right, what you did wrong after the event. But what I don't understand is when you come to some, you're going, I want to do this. And they've got no idea about how they're going to do it. Because to me, that says you don't want it enough. Yeah, so here's a little test. See if this see if this is familiar, because this is what I'm I'm spotting. Okay, 
So imagine we're at the consultation table somewhere and some some magical practitioner wanders up and sits down and they say, I want to cast a spell and I want to make this person's car break so that they have a car crash and die, right? That's what they want. So when you say, okay, how are you going to do that? They then rattle off some hacks that's supposed to, that they got from some book that says get a black candle, because there's always a black candle. Yeah. And get some uh, nasty herbs and I sprinkle them down and then think about what you want to happen and then light your candle. Then when I turn around and I say, how does that work? They then turn around and say, well, I don't know. It's just magic. Is it something like intention? Yeah. And then I, obviously, we then have to, to sit down and discuss it and that and then maybe work on a spell that they actually know how it fucking works. The next step, and this is the important bit, right? The next step is you get the person that comes along and they want the same thing. And what they turn around and they say, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that. What do you think? And I say, right, okay. So you want to cause the car crash, yeah? So you're going to get a little poppet and you're going to put it in a car and then you're going to set fire to the car in your garden. Okay, and I say, how does that work? And they do this thing. This is the important thing. They say, ah, it works because of sympathetic magic. And I say, ah, okay, we've got someone that's read a book. I say, how does sympathetic magic work? And then they look stumped mm -hmm. because that's the difference. The first person knows they haven't got a fucking clue what they're doing. Yeah. The second person, because they've memorised a buzzword, yeah. they think they know what's going on, but they still haven't got a fucking clue what's going on. So when I then turn around and say, okay, you're not allowed to use any form of sympathetic magic to make your magic work. Can you use a different approach, please? And they look completely stumped because they haven't got a clue. So you can either say, how does sympathetic magic work? And they'll rattle off what would be perfectly printed in a book because you know that's where they got the idea and the concept of sympathetic magic from. The idea that, well, I'm symbolically representing something and then I want it to happen. And then, so I do this and then a magic happens because I'm symbolically representing that. I'm like, okay, so how does that work though? How does that actually work? And then they're stumped normally. Okay. Yeah. So then when I say, okay, no symbolic representations now. We're not allowed to use that at all. You're just going to sit there. Make it happen. How does it work? And they don't know how to make it happen or how it works. And then you get the reverse, which you get some of these natural witches that turn around and they say, sit in the consultation room and they're like, every time I can't stand someone, they end up dying. And it's really starting to bug me now and creep me out. Because they know they end up doing stuff and they don't understand how they're doing it. But they've got the component parts there in order to make change happen in the spells and that. And they do it accidentally. Don't mean that they know what they're doing, mind, but they still do it accidentally. And uh, I don't know. Is any of this sounding familiar to you as well? Oh, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those where 
If they've read enough books, they then feel brave enough to make statements. I don't think what they're expecting is for us to actually ask them how it works, because they think it's a set of buzzwords that they can learn and regurgitate, and therefore that is magic. And you're like, no, this isn't this isn't one of those. This is how Santa gets down the chimney situation, where you just go, well, it's just magic. Santa's magic. Like, you know, <laughs> we need you to actually be able to explain to us how that fat ass gets down that very tight, um, very tight chimney that was actually blocked up 30 years ago. Um, you know, I need you to actually explain how the fuck Santa, that pervert, got into my house and out again without me seeing him. So, you know, I think what what bugs me often with this is they think that that's that's what they're here for i think that's what gets at me is when they think well, well obviously i'm here because you need to tell me the answer and i'm like no that's not what you're here for this is mentorship if you wanted us to give you a lecture about something you needed to pay a lot more than this um you know, or at least be interesting enough for me to do it for free. So again, I'm just throwing if, the if elitism out there. And we're if we're if we're doing free consultations at a psychic fair or something, we've got time. I think I do. I I know we do indulge these people. We don't just leave them high and dry. We don't tell them to join the Patreon. We'll discuss it if we have the time. Well, we've spent literally hours discussing concepts of magic and stuff. But what they need to understand and what people, you know, will notice is that we say to that person that sat down and they want to do some spell to uh, kill off all of their family in a car crash or something. But, okay, you've said some buzzwords and that. Now you, we understand you know nothing about magic and you don't know much or anything about magic. We'll start teaching you the basics. Starting with how to cast yeah. a spell that you can then learn how that works, learn the feeling, how it feels, start doing it, start working those muscles, magical muscles, and then work getting bigger and bigger and bigger and accomplishing more and more and more complicated stuff. But it does start with the understanding that you don't actually know anything because you've just read it all in a book or copied someone else. So... In terms of the anti-intellectualism, I wouldn't consider us anti-intellectuals. But what I would say is that your practical knowledge should match your intellect. Which is another one yeah. of those reasons why I say if it takes you seven hours to read a book, you need to spend eight hours practicing at least. Because that ties into it. Because yeah. you are making sure... And like we that and we have said this before, like, and we don't mean that necessarily those eight hours are spent casting. <laughs> the, what the important part is that those eight hours have been devoted to you actually doing something. That might be four hours of you walking, finding ingredients. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that isn't, you know, because I think some people quantify a little bit too directly. And what we're actually saying is that that amount of energy, that amount of time 
should be devoted to your work also. So that might be, like I said, a guided meditation. It might be you going for a walk for a couple of hours for you to actually feel what and, and try and see what an actual nature spirit looks like. Do you know, it's, it's not a case of you need to be spending eight hours um, in a in a circle of salt chanting. You know, that's not that's not what we're trying to say. It's equal, equal effort. Equal amount of time and effort needs to be going into your practice. So what do you think of this concept now that people are spoiled for choice in terms of information? Because I hear old people say about it that we're around in the 20th century. They say, look, it wasn't like that in my day. I had to work. I only had one book. So I really took that book and ran with it, all that kind of thing. And I do equate that with thousands of years ago when you were given one basic concept, even if it was just one job at a temple. And then you did it over and over again until you understood the mysteries of it and the associations with it and then progressed. I do understand this. Hashtag Shaolin Temple. They still do that. Um, that... <laughs> Well, it's true, isn't it? They still. Um, that spoil for choice comes down to, ah, I've just bought a stack of books from the local occult bookshop. I need to make it through and skim through all of these so I can then go and buy some more. How many of these books are on the same subject? Some of them are kind of similar. They're all witchcraft related. They're all occult related. But they're all this, that and the other. Where in there is a project? Because if you're re getting collecting a load of books because you have an interest in um, witchcraft and magic, wherein is it? Because from an intellectual perspective, from what I'm used to, you know, if we're talking this herbal medicine stuff, which I'm trying to learn more and more about, I have a plan. I know what I want. I want to learn about specific parts. I know where I'm weak, where I need to invest the time to research and learn more because I've got a plan and I've got something I'm trying to accomplish. If you're just willy-nilly going out there for knowledge, like a lot of people that want mentoring come and they say, well, I just want to learn everything. And we say, well, the first thing you need to do is pick a project, pick something that you're going to focus on and get somewhere with so that you can judge your competency and your skills and stuff. So I'm thinking, well... Is this a new thing because there's just so much out there that you can acquire quickly? I mean, I've hoarded loads of PDF documents that I've been said with books that have gone out of publish. Maybe some of them are still in publish and I shouldn't have a PDF version of them, but who knows. Um, and, you know, I might read through them every now and then, but I think, you know, the magical practitioners that are out there do they just hoard stuff and skim through stuff and trying to get, devour it like a fat person likes cake? Scoffing more and more without even chewing any of it? <laughs> Sorry, I, I got stuck on the actual image for that then. Um, yeah, I think, I, think part, I think part of it is there. Um, and I think the problem that comes with it is this fear of not knowing anything. So I find, I find actually because there's so much out there, 
it's not so much the you know chunky guy trying to eat it all it's more a case of actually going there's so much written about it i've only read two books i must therefore not know anything and i think actually a lot a lot of that kind of fear you see when you speak to them for the first time you know how many last week turned around and said you're not as scary as i was expecting liam and i well, think part of it is too. down to yeah the what is the with actual people thinking that we're is... scary i don't understand it but part of it is because uh, you know knowledge is power and all that people are scared of people that know more than them and it makes it makes That's them true. nervous about asking questions because they think they're going to sound stupid and what they don't seem to understand is the fact that you are asking questions is the important bit what's coming out of your mouth isn't necessarily the most important it's actually the fact that you are inquiring you know what we want is hungry people you know we want those people that actually do want to achieve something the fact that you have you know never cast a spell in your life doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know something more than someone because this is a bit that bugs me is when you get in some of these online for forums and they say oh, i've been practicing for 35 years and you're kind of like yeah the same old basic shit we've had mentees fix in two weeks so the fact is you know hours done is not what matters you know that it works in the same way as that is the same as somebody spending 30 years reading every book going about a court practice if you've not actually walked the walk and actually continue to push yourself then you haven't learned anything and therefore you, you may as well still be two weeks into your magical practice because you've not progressed so and i think that's that's where some of these get scared because what they do is they see that actually oh well they've spent a few a few weeks on these forums of all these witches saying you know i've been doing this for 20 years and this for 40 and and this and, and blah 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 and i've got this and i've got that book and have you read this that's got to be terrifying for someone that is brand new to this path um thinks they know nothing and don't realize actually none of that to a certain extent really matters the fact that you are hungry to actually learn more and to experiment is going to get you a lot further than you having read all those books. You know, it only gets to the point that when you're starting to plateau of, okay, what can I do next? Because I seem to have not been able to get my gains have stopped. Um, you know, at that point, you then read other people's stuff to kind of go, you know, am I missing something or, or is there a case? And then you or have conversations if you're able to with people that are actually practicing and what you'll obviously probably find out, which is what we do, um, which is that nobody's really practicing anything. Um, you know, there may as well be Wiccan and, and watching the, the wheel of the year because that's all they're doing is spectating. But, you know, I'm ranting again. You know how much this sets me off. Right, so to finish with, I want to tie a couple of this, these bits and pieces in into some sort of nice wrapping to end the podcast. So, 
the Advanced Witchcraft Facebook group that we didn't set up, that I happen to be, I'm somehow managed to get myself a moderator, become a moderator in the group, don't really have any advanced witches in it, don't have any advanced magical practitioners in it really, and isn't run by any, is an advanced witchcraft group. That's in name only, right? Now, in there, where are the people going wrong? Because we've got someone that started the group that seems to think they're an advanced witch, but all they're doing is posting stuff from Wikipedia, right? And there are also other people that are in there that are commenting and poo-pooing other people's ideas. They're saying, oh, well, that goddess is not really called that because that's the wrong translation name intellectualism because I'm seeing this I'm seeing people that are getting too hot up on the intellectualism because they think ah because I can point to this sciencey book or history book or whatever it is book or piece of work I can then say that I know more about the subject and I can then use that to prove that you're wrong you see that in that was that folk magic one that Ben runs um is it Ben Get down, something like that. Oh yeah, old time old witchcraft. Time witchcraft. You've got that all the time in there. You've got well, this isn't traditional witchcraft, and oh, in traditional witchcraft, in this source, it says this. You have to do that. If it's not traditional witchcraft, it's not allowed here. And I kind of think this is the problem. This is the problem I'm seeing. I'm seeing that none of this about the magical practice. It all seems to be like school, where you're graded on an essay. It's all about essay writing. It's all about, well, name your sources. And if your sources are yeah. crap, what you have to say is crap. And then if you're not saying any sources, yeah. then you're, you shouldn't be playing with the big boys and girls. Because the big boys and girls are well read. What I'm trying to say here, more than anything, is if you're interested in trees, go and read a book about trees written by foresters. You yeah. know, don't go and read another book about Wheel of the Year in trees um, or, you know, go and read something that is actually <laughs> observed by people who surround themselves and immerse themselves in that. You know, if you're going to go... Um, you want to spend a certain amount of time with a particular goddess. Don't be going and reading um, a book by Llewellyn. Go and find a, oh, a copy God, yeah. of Metamorphoses and actually go and read the, the text in the original language if you can. If you can't, just get a feel for what that is. We're not saying it's correct, but that is going to be more useful to you than reading 60 books about mythology is one one experience of you with an original text is all that's going to be enough for you to go, I don't think she'll like me. <laughs> you know? Um, but, but Chris, you what, go, what about don't this? Don't go and waste. What about this important question? <laughs> okay. I want to work with a Carte or Hecate because they say Hecate. 
I want to work with Hecate. What would be a good offering for her? <laughs> and then it's just left at that. Yes, exactly. That, that. drives me exactly fucking that. crazy. It really fucking exactly does. Exactly that. Partly because I could see 10 of those in a day and they'd be published by different people. Same fucking question because there's always, I want to work with this goddess. What would be a nice offering for her? I don't know. It drives me crazy. But it comes down because... to, it, it, with that particular question, it comes down to a basic lack of respect, I think is what sets us off with that, is the fact of, okay, so this isn't Charlene that works at, at Asda on the checkout. This is, this is a goddess that you're wanting to, I'm assume, get something out of, you know? This is going to be no, a relationship no, 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 no. that you need they to foster and to move. Worship. They just want to worship her because the goddess is my world. She is the world, Chris. She is the whole wide world. Worship her. Now that's some Yahweh bollocks. It's the next level Dalek stuff, fucking Yahweh isn't bollocks. Worship her. Worship her. Exterminate. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I really hope that we have actually covered this, Defend Occult Books. I think we have. I think we've kind of put out, one, how pointless uh, such a movement is, but secondly, that actually you're asking the wrong questions, um, you know, and trying to argue the wrong sort of thing. You know, go out, experience, you know, make decisions and push yourself. Like, I, I don't see what... that That entire podcast could have probably been those four sentences. Or phrases. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's about ego or if it's about keeping up appearances. I think it's both keeping up appearances and ego, which makes people go on and want to feel like they're part of it. They want to ask a question. Oh, oh, I'm in this group. Um, If I just ask like something like what an offering is, then I'm contributing. I'm added. I'm part of the community. I'm part of it, Chris. I'm part of it. If I leave an yeah. offering on a plate for Santa Claus, milk and cookies, I'm part of the whole Santa Claus thing. Yeah? And then there's the people that's... Yeah. I think I've got a shit on everyone because they've pissed me off because they're saying the wrong thing. Because most of the time I don't really correct people. There are people out there that do all the correcting that. I, I don't think that correcting people is the right approach because I'm not... I don't honestly think that when these people write a lot of these posts, they actually genuinely want the information. You know, I think that no, there are I, people with... They want to there be There are included. people with certain special needs out there that may need to ask some really simple questions because that would be the approach that makes sense to them. But there are most people out there which if they wanted to ask Google and do a little bit of research, even if they're dyslexic like I am, or even if they don't like reading, there is information on pretty much every platform that could give you some idea as to the story of Hecate, Akate, other things that other mag magical practitioners are, are, are doing that you might want to give a go. 
all of these things there's no excuse so we'll leave it there anyway because we've got to go and do feisty witches now haven't we yep so goodbye everyone and i don't know what this podcast was on but it's over anyway (laughs) (laughs) bye bye (laughs)